opportunity to be here to to sing Lord to be able to praise with one another Lord God we're just so thankful for the opportunity we have to worship Jesus Christ this morning God I pray that you would help us to prepare our hearts and our minds for what Christmas means Lord to just celebrate this time of year for the coming of your one and only son to die on the cross for our sins. Lord, thank you for that gift. Father, as we read your word and share today, I ask that you would speak and work in our hearts. Father, we ask that you would change us, make us new. Lord, for the people who have not yet surrendered to you, to the people who have given their hearts to you long ago, God, you always want to work and move in our lives. So God, I pray today that we would open ourselves up, allow you to work and move, allow you to change us, and God, that you would do a mighty work here today. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters who are having physical ailments this morning. Lord, we just want to remember Miss Helen Scruggs. God, we anointed Miss Linda on her behalf this morning, so we continue to pray for her. Lord, we pray for Mike Picard. God, we pray for uh, Miss Kathy Bishop. Lord, you know these people, and we pray for so many more who need you this morning. We just ask that you would touch their hearts and lives, and most importantly, we ask for a spiritual touch today. We know that in all things, our body could be completely perfect and working great, but if our soul is not given to you and cleansed by you, then God, it does us no good whatsoever. So, Father, cleanse us, heal us, help us to belong to you completely today. We love you, we thank you, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Well, it's good to see everybody, and today is one of those weird Sundays. Um, We just finished Thanksgiving. Hopefully, you're not still stuffed from eating too much and eating a bunch of leftovers. And, you know, with the flip of a switch, uh, I think everybody pulled all their decorations out on Friday and started trying to get ready for Christmas. Thank you to Brian Ashley's class for uh, setting up and and decorating here in the sanctuary. Um, Very thankful for that. And as always, we have people who are traveling on the way back from being gone with family. So remember them in your prayers. But we have one more sermon that goes with our series that we've been doing before we uh, change it over and, and do a Christmas series. And today's title is, is, is You Will See. You know, we've been in the book of John, and we've been talking about this whole aspect of, of constantly being invited to come and see for ourselves. And we've talked about it every week. Seeing is believing. If you can see something with your own eyes, it really does change everything. It changes the way that you... You perceive the world around you when you see something that you thought was impossible, and now you know it to be possible. It changes everything. And, and that happens with our spiritual lives as well. Like there, There's an understanding that you know, faith starts out with believing without seeing. Now, I don't know if you've, you've sit down and, and you've just done like just the elementary. A lot of times as Christians, we, we get so focused on theology and complicating stuff and really looking deep. And, and sometimes we just need to be reminded of the really simple stuff. All right? And, and faith in Christ is initiated by believing without seeing. 
If you want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have to commit yourself to him in faith that he's going to do everything that he said he's going to do. Because you're not going to get to experience what he says he's going to do until you believe. So you really got to put yourself out there. You got to make yourself vulnerable. And the world looks at that as foolishness. So you have to make yourself as vulnerable to be foolish to the rest of the world, maybe to your family and your friends. To believe in Jesus Christ to save you from your sins is one of the greatest experiences that you get whenever you first give your heart to Jesus Christ is the freedom that you have in the forgiveness of sin. With the guilt being wiped away, with trusting in him, with having peace for the first time maybe in years. But after you show God... Now think about this. After you show God that you're willing to believe without seeing, what happens is is that he allows you to see things in order to solidify your faith in him. You get that? He allows you to see things in order to solidify your faith in him. And so it could be things like God answering prayers, you know, God moving in amazing ways, maybe witnessing miracles. As you put your faith in Christ and as you live for him and you serve him and you're surrounding yourself with other people who are living in prayer and serving God, you get to see things that you would not have seen if you had not believed. It creates the ability for you to be able to see. Now, all those things solidify our faith as we walk with Christ every day. Because I'm going to share a few things with you this morning you need to understand as you claim to be a believer in Jesus Christ. There's going to be, going, there's going to be stuff. You're going to go through stuff in your life that sometimes you're just not going to be sure if God's going to be able to help you through it. You are. Like as a believer, as a Christian, as a pastor, there have been times since I've put my faith in Jesus Christ where where stuff in life has just happened where I'm just not 100% sure that God's going to like bring me through this, that God is actually carrying me through this, that God is in this. Because sometimes when we go through stuff, we just can't see him, can we? And we just don't know that he's going to answer those prayers, do we? And we, sometimes we just have to sit back and we have to be patient. And we're just not 100% sure if this is going to happen. Because the truth is, we can be people of faith and at the same time not have faith. You ever think about that? Like you can claim to be a believer in Jesus Christ. And you can have faith in Jesus Christ to be the Son of God and to save you from your sins. And yet in the situation and circumstances of your life, you may not necessarily have the faith in that situation and circumstance in this moment in time. We can be lacking that. <clears throat> and the truth is, is that God allows us to see things as we walk with him, as we travel through this life with him. He allows us to see things, to solidify our faith in him, to help us get to the point where whenever we're going through something right now, and you might be doubting, and you might say, God, I don't know if you can bring me through this. I don't know if this can be done. I don't know if this can be fixed. Then you can look back at that time where you prayed for something, and it might be small, and you say, you know what? I remember praying for that, and God did that. I remember seeing that miracle over there, and God did that. I remember being a part of this, and I remember God, I remember specifically knowing that God did that. And some of you can even point back to the day that you were saved, and you felt God working, moving your life. We need to cling to those moments to remind ourselves that God can and will work and move in our lives. Because, you with me this morning? 
There's going to be something that you go through in this life. God has ordained it. God has, God has set aside things in this life that you are going to have to go through that you are not capable of doing without God. You with me? Like you just can't do it. You were not created to go through it without God. You were, not, uh, you were not given the ability to go through it without God. You don't have the strength to go through it without God. God made you that way. He created you that way. He created you so that you would need him. But you need to understand, in life, there are going to be things that you go through that you are just not able to do and go through without the help of God. And so as we follow God, there's a need in our lives for us to cling to him and to have him in our life to help us go through these situations and circumstances. Right? And even as a believer in Christ, even as a believer in Jesus Christ, there are going to be things that you're going to face in your life. And some of you adults, you should be testifying to this so some of these young people in here can, can, can understand that those days are coming. There's going to be stuff that they deal with that it's like, it's hard. It's so much hard. You think life is hard. You think the stuff that you go through as a young person is hard. And then all of a sudden, like one day, you're just like, this is, I cannot, I would have never thought I'd had to go through something like this in my life. And even if you're a believer in Christ, if you're spiritually immature, you can't make it through that. Even being spiritually immature. You have to have faith in God. You have to believe in Him. You have to have a good, solid, healthy relationship with Him. And you got to be able to look back at the times of all the things that God did to remind yourself of what God can still do right now. So we're in John chapter 11 this morning. And you guys know we have not been reading the whole passages. We're just taking little sections out. In this passage is when Jesus shows up and Lazarus is already dead. Now, you remember, they, they sent for Jesus several days before while Lazarus was still alive. Jesus said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay here for a little while. <clears throat> I'll be there whenever I get ready to go there. And during that time, Lazarus dies. He's buried in the tomb. And Jesus arrives on the scene in verse 32. So let's read this together. It says, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord... If only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, I want you to think about this, because this, this is a great passage of Scripture. There's so much going on here, because when you think about Mary and Martha, Mary and Martha are not women who lack faith. They believe in Jesus. They sell out to Jesus. They, like, when you start reading Scripture and you actually start studying, Mary and Martha are actually more involved in Jesus' life, almost as involved as many of the disciples are. You, there's a lot of connections in the stories that you have with Jesus with Mary and Martha. They believe in Jesus. And you look right here, they have faith in Jesus. They said, Lord, if you would have come, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. They had enough faith to send for Jesus to say, Jesus, if you come back, you can heal Lazarus. You can make him well. But if you don't come, you're going to die. And she looked at him. She bows down at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, Lazarus would still be living. That's faith, right? That's believing, okay? Verse 33. And when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, check this out, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Because while all this is going on and while Mary and Martha had enough faith in Jesus to believe that if he came that he could heal Lazarus and keep him from dying, 
there's still a lack of faith that's happening right here among these people. Jesus is God. And we are created in the image of God. And so you have to think about this. God has emotions. Like, we're created in the image of God. We have emotions. Now, think about this. You know how when your kids, whenever they get mad or sad or hungry or whatever it is, and they don't know how to display that in a rational way? Anybody ever experienced that? Okay? All right. As adults, that's how we are with our emotions when it comes to God. Like, we can say, oh, well, you handle this in a mature way. We do this. A lot of times, the way that we handle stuff, we can't display anger and stuff without sinning many times. Like, it's really hard to do that. It takes a very spiritually mature person to be able to express anger without sinning in that. But God can. He can express his anger without sinning. And right here, Jesus, he's angry because there's nothing that offends him more than people who don't believe in him. And you look at Mary and Martha in this moment, it's not a matter of that they did not have faith in him and his ability to heal Lazarus. It's a matter that they lacked the faith that Jesus could do anything about it now that Lazarus was dead. Now chew on that for a second and we'll come back to it. In verse 34, Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. And the people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? You have to understand that you have a group of people around who knew Jesus. They were very well connected with him. They believed in him. They understood his ability to do things that no one else could do. And at the same time, in this story, there's a complete lack of faith according to the situation and circumstances that they are now in. And that's what we're going to address this morning. So point number one, you need to understand you're not always going to understand God's plan. And I said this earlier, and I'm going to say it again. It's very possible to be men and women of faith and not always have faith. You need to write that down. You need to take that with you. This is not one of those sermons where you're just going to be like, oh, man, I, just, I feel like going and conquering the world today. These, this is going to be one of those sermons where there's some truth nuggets in here this morning, and you need to write these things down, and you need to take them with you and remind yourself of these things regularly. Because there's a lot of truth in this. We can be people of faith and not always have faith. We don't always see and understand what God is doing. And it makes us really hard to trust and believe in him. You think about the different things that you go through in life. Stuff with family, relationships, children, jobs, health issues. Whatever it may be that you're going through in life. There's all kinds of stuff that you're going to go through. And you are not going to be sure whether or not God is going to work and move in this situation. As a pastor, and I'm, I'm telling you this as a pastor, there's times in my life where I have to take a deep breath and I have to take a step back and I have to remind myself, okay, who do I believe in? What God do I actually believe in? Do I believe in the Jesus that everybody talks about who can save and forgives me my sins and makes me feel better and know that I have a place to go for eternal life? Or do I really believe in the God through whom Jesus Christ all things are possible? 
And I want you to think about what that means. Because in this life, there are going to be so many things that we perceive as permanent, that can't be undone, that can't be changed, that can't be moved, that can't be affected in any way. And that will challenge you to the core as to what God you actually claim to believe in and serve. Because he's not just a God of situations and circumstances. Mary and Martha believed that he could have kept Lazarus alive. But now that Lazarus was dead, in their mind, it's done. There's no going back. And Jesus is angry at the fact that they have a lack of faith. And, and, and his people, we have to remind ourselves of the God that we serve. Mary and Martha knew who Jesus was. They witnessed all of his miracles. If he could make a blind man see, surely he could have kept Lazarus alive. And it was always about what could have been done in the circumstance prior to where they were right now. And it's not a matter that they lacked faith in Christ. It's a matter that they lacked complete faith in Christ in all situations and circumstances. They believed Jesus could have kept it from happening, but they did not even come close to understanding what Jesus could do after something had already happened. And we really have to remind ourselves as believers in Christ, what God do I believe in? What God do I serve? My, my Savior, Jesus Christ, what is He capable of? What can He do? And if we really look at Scripture and if we really think about, you know, a while ago I talked about theology, but when you actually look at the theology of Christ and understand who He is and His capabilities and all the power that He has, then there is nothing that He's not able to do. There's nothing that He's not able to change. No miracle that He's able to to perform. He's capable of anything. And, and if you can get to the point of your faith where you believe in Christ in that way, nothing is possible. He said, nothing will be possible. He said, you believe in me, receive the Holy Spirit in your life, you will do even greater things than I have done. You can speak to the mountain, get up and move and cast it into the sea and it can be done. And we have to remind ourselves as believers, what God do we serve? We're not always going to understand God's plan. God may want you to learn in this. You know, I always think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, one of my favorite stories in Scripture. And, and their response to the king is, it's another one of those things. It's another one of those truths. You just need to write it down and take it with you. And it says, are you going to bow down to me? And they said, no, we're not bowing down to you. We believe that God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to you. And so for them in their lives, they had made up their mind. They had faith. We believe that God can, but even if he doesn't, we're still going to serve him and we're not bowing down even for our lives. They're not going to do it. And, and so, you know, you think in these situations and circumstances, you have to believe in a savior. You are called to believe in a savior who can do anything. But at the same time, he may not choose to heal. He may not choose to work this situation out. He may not choose to take away the consequences of this mistake. There are things and times in life, for whatever reason, God chooses to allow things to happen and progress and move in certain ways. And you have to be okay with that. Maybe God wants us to learn from the mistakes that we make so that we don't do it again. 
Maybe God wants this whole situation to display your faith and your faithfulness in order to be a witness to someone who's watching you in this situation and circumstance. God may have something better for you that you lost, and God might have said, hey, i got to open the door so I can bring something better for you in your life and, and let you have this because this has taken up too much room. And you know, <clears throat> you might just be as righteous as Job. And God might just want to take you and use you to show the devil that, hey, you can put this man or you can put this woman through the ringer and they're going to serve me and they're not going to curse my name and they're going to stay faithful no matter what you put them through. We never know. You know, you think about Job, there wasn't a whole lot of benefit he got from what he went through. But people for generations and thousands of years has been benefiting from that passage of Scripture to make it through their situation and circumstances, to stay faithful to the Lord, to teach us to stay faithful to the Lord despite that. We just don't know, but our calling is to trust in Jesus and to get our answers from Him. we got to have faith. we got to have faith that no matter what, no matter situation, no matter circumstances, Jesus is the answer, and we should be getting the answers from Him. Point number two you got to invite God to see your struggles. You know, <clears throat> God's always watching. You know, God knows everything that you're going through. You read about Jesus. Jesus knew what the Pharisees were thinking. He knew what the people was thinking. He knew what was going through their mind. He knew what they were going to ask. He always had a perfect answer for their questions. It wasn't the fact that Jesus knew. But it was really interesting that Jesus asked where, where was Lazarus and then... Mary invites Jesus to come and see. And it's really important um, that, that she invites Jesus in. And as people, we really need to understand that we should want Jesus to come into our lives because he wants access to our lives. You know, we serve a God who gives us free will. We serve a God who's not going to force himself upon you. He's not going to make you do anything. When you actually think about the freedom of Christ and really the, the, the integrity of the God that we serve, the fact that resisting sin is so difficult and doing the right thing is so hard probably reveals the fact that God gives you freedom more than anything else in this life. Is that, that he, he doesn't trap you in any way, that you always have the freedom to choose him. And that's probably why it's the most difficult, because Satan always wants to trap us. Satan wants us to be addicted. He wants us to, to, to have difficult decisions to make. He wants us to always desire other things than we should, but God always makes choosing the right thing. Basically, it's just your choice. There's nothing in it that just pulls you to it other than conviction. He draws you to himself gently. But Christ wants access to your life, your struggles, your problems. He wants to intervene. But the truth is, is that he can't intervene unless you give him full reign in your life. So many people want Jesus to come in. So many people want Jesus to save them from their sins. So many people want Jesus to, to, to work this problem out or these situations, this circumstance, and fix this. And once that's done, then they're done with Jesus. 
But if you really love Jesus Christ, if you want him to be a part of your life, we need to be willing to invite him in and to give him free reign. When you look at what Mary and Martha did, they invited Jesus to come and see. But just like we do, they said, okay, come and see, but just, just look at it. You know what I'm saying? Just look at it. Don't, don't, don't mess with it. Just look at it. You can come and see the tomb, but don't mess with it. Because Jesus said, roll the stone away. And then what do they do? Martha says, oh, no, Lord, you, don't do that. He's been dead for four days. He stinks. Yeah, it'd be really hard if you've got a loved one that you just buried in the tomb, and, and, and they're sitting in there, and they're rotten, and now Jesus wants to desecrate the grave. How would you feel this morning if Jesus Christ showed up and said, go get the person of your choice out of the grave that you lost, and we'll dig them up, and I'll bring them back to life? Or actually, he just says, go dig them up. How would you feel about that? It'd be really hard. It'd be like really weird. And, and, and for Martha, what it translates to is, Lord, the situation's done. It's permanent. He's dead. He's been dead for four days because you didn't come, and he stinks. And it would be too much to bear. We don't want to deal with the consequences of what is for you to roll the stone away and play your games. Because they couldn't even fathom in this situation you know, that God might be able to bring him back to life. They, they thought for themselves that, oh, well, Jesus could have kept him alive, but now the situation is past and it's permanent and it can't be undone. They couldn't even fathom that Jesus could do what he was about to do. And so as believers, we should invite God into our life. You should be inviting God into your life every day. And I don't know if you... I don't know how many of you do this. A lot of younger people just don't do like going to people's homes anymore and, and inviting people in. You know, if there's somebody that you meet for the first time and they're over at your house, maybe somebody just shows up, you might talk to them out on the front porch, but you don't let them in your home. You might be friendly with some people you might invite in, but they stay in the living room and you don't let them anywhere else. And there's some people who comes over to your house and you're like, oh yeah, make yourself at home, do whatever, get in the fridge, go to whatever room. And you don't even care that they're there. You just make them home. When you talk about inviting Jesus into your life, you have got to give him free reign. There can be no closed-off rooms, no closed-off compartments, nothing that he can't touch. Because the truth is, we all want the thing that's wrong in the moment to be fixed, but we don't want him to touch anything else. We're like, oh, come and look at it, but don't touch it, don't mess with it. we got to be willing to let Jesus in. If you believe that Jesus is God's one and only Son that he died on the cross for your sins, that he paid the ultimate price for you to have eternal life and take the greatest punishment, the greatest thing that you could possibly endure, which is eternal hell. If he took that away from you, what kind of ill intent would he have for your life? What could he not take and make it better? What could he not remove and replace it with something more beneficial? What could he not take it and change it to make you love it and appreciate it even more? And so many people were just like, you can look at it, Jesus, but don't touch it. But we have to be willing to give him free, free reign. He wants to intercede. Through Christ, all things are possible, but we've got to give him the ability to have free reign in our life to work and move the way that he wants to. Point number three, 
God hurts when we hurt. I'm about to ruin your lives. You ready? You're not going to remember anything else from the sermon. You'll remember this. How about that? In verse 35, it says that Jesus wept. And most of you probably think this is the shortest verse in the Bible. It's actually not. Um, Job chapter 3 verse 2, it's he said. Um, So Job 3 verse 2 is two words comprised of six letters. And Jesus wept is two words comprised of nine letters. So just want to throw that out there for you this morning in case you were wondering. Like I said, that's pointless. Most of you will remember that before you remember the rest of the sermon. Maybe you can tie it back in. But Jesus did weep. I mean, like he was angry and he wept because God hurts when we hurt. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but... But man, it's, like, it's not like God just sits up in heaven and he just giggles whenever we're suffering and going through stuff. And he's just like, <laughs> losers. You know, like, God cares for you. He loves you. And you know, like raising kids, and most of you will understand what I'm saying. You have a kid, and, and we're at that, like, they're two and three, and they, just, they stay sick all the time. You know, they're gross. Like they, they touch everything, they stick everything in their mouth, they drink after everybody. They're disgusting right now. They're, they're just like little disease-carrying environments. They are. If you've got kids, you know what I'm talking about. And, but they're, they're sick constantly. And, and you sit there and you watch them, and Perry's getting at that age where he can blow his nose, and he's like, it's not as bad as it used to be. But Naomi's still at that age where she can't blow her nose. She has no idea how to like adjust or, or do stuff like to, to help with this sickness. And so you're just sitting there watching them suffer and being sick. And you're just like, if I could take this from them, I would. Like, I hate being sick. I don't want to get sick. If I know you're sick, I'm going to avoid you. Not because I don't like you, just because I don't want to be sick. But I would take it from them so that they wouldn't have to endure it. And that's what our Heavenly Father is like. I mean, you think about it. He, he came and took the punishment of sin so that you would not have to endure it. He took it away. The worst thing that you would ever endure, eternal punishment, he took it from you. That's the heavenly father that you serve. That's the heavenly father we claim to believe in. And if he would do that for you, you have to believe that he loves you. He cares for you. He sympathizes with you. And when you suffer, he suffers. It breaks his heart when our heart is broken. He does not want to see us suffer. There are things in life, there are moments, there are consequences that we will have to endure. And you need to understand this morning that God hurts when you hurt. This is not something that he just like, he's happy about or he has a good time with. This is something that, that he sympathizes with you on. And you got to invite him in. You got to allow him to have free reign and know that like he hurts when you hurt. He wants to come in and help you through this, but we got to give him free reign. Point number four, you will see when you believe. That's so important. You know, we talk about faith being initiated by by believing without seeing. And the whole understanding of the fact that we will see once we believe is so important as believers. You know, the whole trick to this is that this is the conundrum. This is what makes Christianity look so foolish to the rest of the world. 
because the rest of the world will not believe until they see. But God doesn't operate according to the laws and the expectations of the world. He operates beyond the laws, beyond the laws of nature, beyond our understanding, beyond the expectations of people. God operates beyond that. And if you want to see God and you want to see his glory and you want to see him work and move in your life, you have to put your trust and faith in him and believe beforehand. And he promises if you believe, you will see. In John chapter 11, verses 39 through 40, you go on down that passage a little bit. And in verse 39, Jesus says, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. There's that passage. You see that lack of faith. It's just like, you could have kept him alive, but he's dead, and now there's nothing that can be done. And in verse 40, Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? But you don't get to see God's glory if you don't believe. You think about all the people in Scripture. Abraham was counted as righteous because of his faith. Moses got to see God's glory as he passed by him, covered him with the, with the hand, like hit him in the cleft of the rock. All the things that these people got to experience, they didn't get to experience because they didn't believe in God. And God's like, well, let me prove myself to you. No, they got to experience because they believed God in spite of all. Everything going on around them, in spite of all the impossibilities, in spite of not understanding, in spite of nothing making sense, in spite of all the people around them turning against them, they still believed, and they're the ones who got to see God's glory, while everyone else missed out on it because everyone else didn't believe. And so for you this morning, you have to make a decision in your life, okay, like, I believe in Jesus. I've asked him to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that I've been forgiven. I believe I've been saved. I believe that I have eternal life. But I really want to see God's glory. Well, guess what? You got to put yourself out there and you got to believe and you got to step out on faith. And you got to put yourself in the situations and circumstances where you get to see God work and move. And you don't get to do that by being comfortable and not believing in the God whom you claim to serve. You've got to believe before you can see. You think about the world. The way of the world is to affirm and then believe. Test and believe. Remove doubt and then believe. Use the scientific process. Anybody ever did a, a science uh, project growing up for the science fair and you had to enter it in and get humiliated. I don't know. Mom always helped us with ours. They were pretty good. Not because I did anything. But, but you have to remove, uh, you got to do all this stuff. Like test it. Make sure it works before you can claim to believe in it and claim it to be truth. We serve a Father in Heaven who says, look, you don't have to work you don't have to do anything. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to put forth any effort in this already. It's all been done for you. All you have to do is believe that I've done what I said I have done and believe that I can do what I said that I'm going to do. That's all you got to do. And if you believe and if you trust in him, he said you will see God's glory. 
And he talked to Mary and Martha in this moment, and they're just like, don't roll that stone away. What would have happened if Mary and Martha would have been like, no, you're not rolling the stone away. And they stood in front of the stone and refused to let it be rolled. It's like, Lazarus is dead. Leave him in peace. Let him rest. And they would have never got to see their brother raised from the dead. And Jesus, in this passage, talks about how all this was done so that God's glory could be revealed. And if these people would simply believe, and, and everybody didn't believe. The people didn't believe, oh, he healed a blind man. Surely he could have kept Lazarus alive. And Mary and Martha said, well, if you had been here, you could have kept him alive. But it's done. And they were men and women of faith who were present at this thing, but they did not believe that Jesus could do what he was about to do. Guys, we have an upper hand in our lives because we get to read Scripture. And if you believe Scripture to be true, it is. So if you believe it to be true, then you get to see all the examples and all the times and all the testimonies of God working and moving and doing things that did not make sense. And you say, man, but it's permanent. It's done. You know, there's a story in the Bible of of God turning back time, stopping the sun, uh, of God curing people from all kinds of different ways, like a whole bunch of different ways, of multiple people in Scripture being raised from the dead. There's all kinds of of passages of Scripture that we read, and, and we have to ask ourselves, do I really believe in the God that I'm reading about in this? Do I really believe that He can change the situations and circumstances of my life? Do I really believe that He can work and move and perform a miracle and change the way that things are? If you believe, you'll see God's glory. But you got to believe. And so as we close out today... I just challenge you, you know, like, invite God in. But when you invite God in, don't just tell him to look at what's going on and don't tell him to keep his hands off of everything. Give him free reign. Invite him in, give him free reign, and believe that he can do anything. That through him, all things are possible. That's one of the biggest things that I believe in the American church that we are missing, and, and man, we're missing this huge, is that we just, we have a total disconnect of believing that anything's possible through Christ. It's like we say it, but we're not living that out. Invite him in, give him free reign, and believe that he can do what we say that we believe he can do, and you'll get to see his glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time together and for the opportunity to read your word, to pray, to sing songs. And Lord, forgive us. Forgive us of all the things that we fail you in, especially in the area of faith. I ask God that you would help us to believe in you, to trust in you, so that we can see your glory working and moving in and through our lives. Jesus, All of this is going to help us to to have testimony and to show the world the God that we serve. I pray, Lord, that no matter situations and circumstances, 
that we would point back to times where we know that you worked and moved, that we will remind ourselves of the God that we serve so that we can say, God, I know that through this you can hold me up, you can sustain me, you can carry me through, and you can work all this out for your glory and your honor. Help us to be men and women of faith. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.